We believe pharmacists are the hub of healthcare and our favorite providers. We know it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day and forget that we went into pharmacy to make a difference. And we really do make a difference, even with the smallest decisions. That's why I want to tell you about Ultimed's Pen Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack, a pen needle product that makes real, tangible change possible for our patients in the communities we serve. UltiGuard Safe Pack Pen Needles are an FDA-cleared product that provides 100 premium pen needles in a sharps container, all in one convenient package system. When you dispense the UltiGuard Safe Pack, you protect families and your community from sharps injuries, and you remove medical waste from the environment. To learn more, visit UltiGuardSafePack.com forward slash podcast. That's UltiGuardSafePack.com forward slash podcast. When you dispense the UltiGuard Safe Pack, you choose positive change. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is the PGX for Pharmacists podcast. We believe pharmacists are the best positioned providers to lead in PGX. Pharmacogenomics is the study of how genes affect a person's response to drugs. This relatively new field combines pharmacology and genomics to develop effective, safe medications and doses that will be tailored to a person's genetic makeup. This podcast is dedicated to pharmacists with an interest in learning more about the data analytics, industry trends, and evidence-based usage of pharmacogenomics. Welcome to PGX for Pharmacists, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. According to peer-reviewed Journal of American Pharmacists Association, pharmacists practicing in community pharmacy are well accustomed to optimizing drug therapy through different medication therapy management programs. Advances in knowledge and technology regarding pharmacogenomics or PGX, combined with the access and use of community pharmacies, pharmacists by patients provides a tremendous opportunity for community pharmacists to claim the field of PGX. The testing technology has also made uh, pharmacogenomics and community pharmacies a possibility. So pharmacists are able and needed to provide testing and offer their patients and prescribers the education around the topic of PGX. But are there pharmacists right now actually doing PGX testing and using a technology in an independent pharmacy setting to do, to do that? Hi, everyone. My name is Banasarami, your host to PGX Pharmacist Podcast on the most amazing and largest pharmacy podcast in the nation and the top 20 genomics podcast mentioned on Yelp Magazine. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm an MSL to a PGX company called Althea DX, where I create contents to educate clinicians on the value of PGX and help interpret the results. And I'm also a PGX coach, helping pharmacists start up their own consulting career. Uh, we have with us an amazing guest today, Dr. Amina Abubakar, who owns and operates her independent pharmacy in Charlotte, North Carolina. She's a board-certified HIV pharmacist and certified in precision medicine. And are you ready? She was the 2013 Pharmacist of the Year, 2015 Innovative Pharmacist by NCAP, 2016 PDS Entrepreneur of the Year, and 2016 recipient of the Young Alumni Award from Philadelphia College of Pharmacy. She has fostered an environment that showcases the significance of community pharmacy pharmacists by collaborating with physicians and expanding 
pharmacist-led services in her own community. I'm so proud of her and so excited to be talking to her. She was also invited to the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy and, and to the FDA to discuss her PGX program. Thank you so much for making time to come out to the show and share your story, Dr. Abubakar. I know it's more challenging to get PGX in, um, in a pharmacy rather than a provider's practice. So I know you must have amazing passion for PGX as myself. So, and all the wonderful things you've done. Uh, I'll just let you introduce yourself. Sure, my pleasure. I'm excited to be on this podcast and to have a dialogue with you because I know you're as passionate about PGX, especially to put it in the hands of pharmacy. So I feel at home right at your podcast. Oh, I love it. I love it. So um, I guess for people who may not uh, know you, which they should, can you tell us kind of a little um, your story, how you got here, how you stumbled upon PGX and implementing that in your community setting? Sure. So uh, my name is Amina Abubakar. I'm the CEO of uh, what we now call Avant Pharmacy and Wellness, previously known as RX Clinic Pharmacy. And we just recently changed our name to embark in this whole holistic and out of the box way to take care of patients in our community. Uh, so how I stumbled upon PGX. So I graduated from pharmacy school in 2005. And in 2006, I was attending my brother's graduation, who's a biomedical engineer in Arizona State University. And he was so proud to introduce me to his professors as here's my sister, she's a doctor of pharmacy. And uh, one of the professor looked at me and said, hey, what's gonna happen to you when we can, once we map up the whole human genome and we know exactly what medications like patients should take, like what would happen to you? And I think that was the first time that I said, whatever this thing is coming to replace me, I better know it, I better prepare for it. And so I just became obsessed with this whole human genome. And I'm like, man, I just graduated from pharmacy school. I still have student loans. What is this thing that's gonna take away my job? So yeah, so I self-taught myself as soon as I heard about that and just kind of subscribed to different journals, uh, to different continuing education. And then from that 2006, and I believe it was about 2013, I was at a pharmacy conference and um, this uh, lab representative got on the stage and talked about an opportunity that pharmacists can have a chick swab and swab their patients, send it to their lab, and they can tell us if the patient is a candidate for clopidogrel or not. And that moment I said, here it is. The thing that was gonna take our jobs is here now. So I was one of those pharmacists as with early adopters, got together with the lab, brought the swab to the pharmacy, swabbed a few patients and sent it to the lab, got results. And I remember my very first patient was not a candidate for clopidogrel. And I faxed it to the doctor, asked him for change, and he gave me a call and he said, I want you in my office. And I went, I thought maybe he was excited, we can do more of this, but he was very upset at me. And he said, who are you to order a test that I know nothing about and to expose my patient to something that I don't even know how to answer. And right now, technically, I feel like you just exposed me 
to a liability, I feel like if I act on these results and they're wrong, I'm in trouble. And if I don't act on them and they're right, then I'm in trouble. So how are you going to help me? And I had no answers. I really froze and I apologized. And that was the beginning of figuring out how do I work with this elegant science? How do I become so educated to really give trust and comfort to my providers that they can refer patients to me? So that's a little background as how I've been involved ground up. Oh my gosh, that's amazing and scary at the same time. But uh, yeah, that that's awesome. Do you know whatever happened to that patient? I'm just curious now. I was just listening there. Well, so what happened is as I became more educated, I realized my providers really just wanted the evidence level yeah. and I needed to have educated them before ordering the test. So that's why I really work on best practices of collaborating. And I think a lot of pharmacists could make these mistakes not knowingly, you know, yes. that before you start such a service, you need to kind of doctor detail your area and let these providers know uh, what you're doing and that they're still going to be involved in the patient's care and just kind of check the temperature. Some of them just want uh, the knowledge, like where are you getting your evidence from, you know? Mm -hmm. And so by sharing those information, then they feel comfortable uh, to work with you. Yeah. Right. So, um, yes. Yeah, so yes. But what happened with that patient? We already had the results. So I reached out to resources and they were able to uh, help me and the provider look at the evidence and that clopidogrel had high evidence um, that, you know, this uh, could help the patient. And we looked historically, she had had stroke several times. So that was, you know, lucky for the patient that we were able to get um, a different alternative for her. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So do you do right now after that experience, do you see those conversations with the providers still a little challenging? Because I know there are, uh, especially when it comes with mental health, because that's really my main focus. Um, it is challenging, but some of the older um, prescribers, they're still not adapting to the new um you know, pharmacogenomics, because they think it kind of takes their autonomy away from prescribing. So do you find, I know you're not just focused on just mental health in general. Do you have those challenges with prescribers? Not as much as we had in the very beginning. I think the education we've done around, um, you know, the providers is what has helped. So we took a step back, we trained all of our pharmacists, and as we were already doing some sort of clinical services with them, we were able to bring uh, the pharmacogenomics in that whole uh, business suite for us. But what I found is that instead of me telling them what to do is really gauging where their fear is coming from, you know? And so I always take a, an approach I listen more than I talk. So when I go to a provider and I do want to start PGX, I just ask from a point of curiosity as, hey, Dr. So-and-so, what, you, what is your practice doing to be part of precision medicine? Because it's coming, it's here to stay. Uh, the FDA now has all these uh, uh, drugs listed as recommended for PGX. So I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. And based on what they tell me, then I'm able to tailor what to do next, because some of them are very vast in the knowledge and some are afraid just because they've never done it before. 
and they're worried about having the results that they're now responsible to share with other providers. So there are different challenges for different providers as to why they're not coming on board. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. And, and I love how you put it as to, instead of you trying to go in and bombard them with all this you know, knowledge, you just tell them what PGX is and say, okay, now what is your hesitation? And you address it that way. And that conversation Correct. is specialized or geared towards what the answer is. So th- that's brilliant. Like it's a different uh, way of thinking about things and approaching it. Cause really technically we want it to work. So let's see what the challenges are and, and work through that. I love it. That that's the uh, most amazing thing that I've heard. So yeah, very I'm simple, but yeah, effective. That, uh, people don't buy products, people buy solutions. That's true. So if I don't get to have an agreement that the provider has seen these problems, you know, mm-hmm. and they will not be, jumping on board on a solution. So those discussions, you know, as we talk, then I can take a subset of patients and say, hey, there's a lot of evidence around these type of patients. Are you seeing that, you know? Are you having patients that, you know, have these kind of situations? And also providers don't like to feel they have to change their whole practice. Mm -hmm. And I think when you go in and just pitch and get so excited about implementing pharmacogenomics in their clinics, they feel like they have to do a lot to change. So when you focus on a subset, you know, hey, maybe 20% of your patients really would benefit from this. Let's look at those who still have, you know, high rates of hospitalizations or referrals into mental health that aren't doing better. Can we start with those few patients and start looking into it? They're more likely, you know? That's true. That's true. Started. And so uh, how do you go around the topic of, I know that's also another challenge for either the practice or the patients or both the compensation piece of, or meaning the copay or insurance or the cost of it as well, if someone's on board, but then that, that could be a challenge for either or. Yes. Yeah, so in our practice, in our pharmacy, we have different models. We have for the longest time, we've done self-pay models, you know? And also how we've been successful in the self-pay model is not saying that, oh, come to a pharmacy just for the pharmacogenomics or genetic test. It's more about packaging it into like a medication therapy management session or second opinion for those who feel like they're taking medications that aren't working for them. It's more selling the pharmacist value. And then PGX is a tool that we use. You know, it's like go to a doctor's office. They don't advertise, hey, come to my primary care because I'm going to do CBC. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And so I feel like pharmacy, sometimes we keep pushing the actual test rather than the value that the patient would really get Mm -hmm. uh, by sitting down with you, by reviewing the meds, by listening to the history and connecting the dots, you know, or finding solutions that, um, you were always Googling as a patient mm-hmm. trying to figure out what Dr. Google. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so with that, we have patients, you know, that come in for that. And I actually, I'm always a curious person. For example, one time I was just talking to my lawyer and I'm like, my lawyer has no problem charging me a lot of money just to <laughs> talk. And I said to him one day, Hey, have you ever, you know, done uh, precision medicine where we actually can, you know, because someone can look at your genes and look at your, you know, drug treatment, drug regimens before, after, current. And he said, interesting. No. And I 
offered it to him and he paid for it and he paid for his family. So there are people out there that cash model is going to work if you're able to educate them well. Now, when it comes to our providers and they have Medicaid patients, they have Medicare patients, we talk about the value, right? We talk about the value that we will get. So value-based medicine has helped us even more getting providers on board without them worrying about what's in it for me. Because what's in it for them is really we're going to get outcomes. And a lot of our providers are in either a clinically integrated network, an ACO, or they're reporting for MIPS. So getting outcomes for patients is their new reimbursement. That's true. That's true. And it does help them and their patients out a lot. And I know you talked about MTM and there's also chronic care management that can also be offered. So I know you can't i should say you can't um maybe it's not possible to do it as a independent pharmacy but if you have those collaborative agreements those are other forms of i guess revenue or if either for you know the provider if they want to have some kind of revenue because i know that's another piece of the thing this is great let's implement it great because um the patients will pay for it or the insurance pays but then you know what's interesting Mm -hmm. doctors don't get paid when they send out labs for again, CC or stuff like that. That's what I'm saying. It's how we are marketing it Mm -hmm. is where we're all getting caught about this, right? Yes. When you're curious about why your patient isn't doing well and you order an x-ray or you send patients to get an ultrasound, right? Mm -hmm. That provider, primary care, doesn't get paid for the ultrasound, right? But they get the results back and we use the results to tailor the medicine so our patients feel better. So it's really changing the story on how we talk about it. And so they can utilize it just like they've utilized so many other tools before. And I'm not saying they shouldn't get paid, but we shouldn't stop at it because they can't get paid directly by the lab, you know, or they can't get paid directly for just the lab. For example, our pharmacist does our pharmacy. We have contracts that we do chronic care management. We do remote physiological monitoring. When we see that the patient isn't doing better, right? Or we do the consults of behavior health integration, which is like 20 minute check-ins every month. Mm -hmm. When we're not getting results, we would ask the provider to recommend knowing when the results come back. So we may not get paid for the actual lab processing, but when the results come back, we can go over the result. You know, that's care coordination during chronic care management or actually uh, schedule the patient to go have an office visit with the provider. So this is an extra office visit that the provider will get paid to see the patient change medications or discuss any action and plan forward. I, I love the way you think about it. It's, it's, it sounds very simplistic, but kind of putting it into a different picture and presenting it that way, it's, it's brilliant how you say it. That's true. we got to change how we kind of focus and package it and give it out because you're, you, the way you say it is, is really great. Uh, so you say all these things and I'm thinking, okay, independent pharmacy is not as crazy as a chain pharmacy, but you guys must be still very busy doing like, uh, quote unquote, the basic, you know, filling pre- prescriptions and things like that. So how do you, so do you have a lot of staff to be able to support all the things you're saying outside of just the regular role of pharmacists in your ph- um, pharmacy? Or are you guys have managed your time so brilliantly that you can do all that? <laughs> 
Because that seems like a lot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the foundation of an independent pharmacy is to make sure that you control your workflow and your workflow doesn't control you. And the foundation of a good workflow in an independent pharmacy is to make sure your patients are synchronized. So all of our patients are med, we call it med synchronization. So we know when the patients are due and we can control our workflow. So I can tell you that we can arrange to close on a Friday and still fill the same prescriptions we would have filled if we were open on a Friday. So that's the mindset of controlling your workflow. So it's the same way because it decreases the number of phone calls that come to the pharmacy where we run a report. We know everyone that's due this week, you assign accordingly and you always will find that we were not efficient in the beginning when we just had patients call for their refills at random times, whenever they want, and Mm -hmm. they always disrupted. But because we are proactive in MedSync, there's plenty of time to allow a particular, what we call a clinical station to operate with the same workforce that we've had before filling prescriptions without being synchronized. So that's one tip. That's a, that's a great tip. Uh, I, I know about synchronization actually helps not only you guys as a staff, but also the patients not having to come every, I don't know, five times in a month to pick up different medications. So that that's great. Um, that's really awesome. I, I love what you guys are doing. I wish you guys could, are you hosting like a class or like educational something for other independent farms to kind of replicate kind of what you're doing, not even necessarily with PGX, but of course with PGX, but just how the whole process of what you're doing is so brilliant. It works so well, especially for the patients. Really the goal is the patients at the end of the day. Do you host something to educate or do you offer something to educate every other pharmacist to do what you're doing? Yes, we do. And it happened organically because as we were asked to speak at different conferences, then people would email us and say, hey, I do want to get my pharmacy at that, you know, what you guys are doing. I have this relationship with the doctors, but I never knew I could make them what I call from friend zone to business. Could you help me? And at first we were very generous and we would have people, yeah, sure, you can still buy a pharmacy and we'll help you. And then my team stopped me one day and said, Amina, (laughs) we know you are super altruistic. But guess what? This is really disrupting our workflow because when the people come in, they don't have the whole foundation you've had the past seven years, right? That's right. And and so we can't really answer their question without going back to 101, like how we got here. And I was like, oh, wow, you're right. So, okay, so we'll take a step back and figure out how can we still help these folks? Because I'm a firm believer that independent pharmacy is the heart of every community and I would love for not, for not only for them to survive but to really thrive so we came up with a program and that's how we have the Avant Institute where we bring our experience to life in uh, coaching and just like on-demand classes we have live classes that people come on site to our collaborating clinics and we just share everything that we have because we can't really serve everyone. Like I'm that pharmacy owner that knocks in my neighbors, uh, the other independent pharmacy in my area saying, hey guys, you need to do this. We can't serve every patient in Charlotte, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So 
And I would love for it to be a standard of care just moving forward, you know, for doctors, pharmacists, nurse practitioners, PA, really working together as a team. Yeah, it, it should be. And do you have other, um, I know you're in North Carolina, but have you expanded further out at all? No, I'm oh. one of those people that uh, I like being local. Well, you I can like stay local, have, just add more of right, you. <laughs> so let me just tell you this. So I like to stay local because I like to nurture those relationships that I have. Mm-hmm. So they are folks that have come through our training. And this is why when I say yes, I partner with people outside to grow it. It's because I just become the behind the scenes for them. You know, mm-hmm. they are in their communities and they can do a great job by us teaching them and us showing them the, the way. And we've had great success from California to Georgia, Tennessee, like you name it. We have a pharmacy that we've trained, you know, in so many in so many different states until one individual came to me and said, Amina, I've been in your training three times. I don't want to do this. I want you to be my partner. So he's down in South Carolina. So he convinced me to be his partner. So we grew South Carolina during the pandemic at 2020, but we have great success. We started with one pharmacist. And then by July uh, of 2020, we added another pharmacist. And by this year, we've added two more pharmacists. That's awesome. So yeah, so collectively, um, yeah, so we have expanded, but just next door to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Well, still, that's an expansion. It, it starts slow and then it keeps replicating. out there, right. So what I say, if they, someone out there feels like they have these relationships, that they're just too busy to make them work, we do offer being your back end, you know, mm-hmm. just so we can at least train your first individual and we can coach them through the year. And so they can be the director of your program and then you guys can grow. Okay. And that was my next question. You, I think you answered that. So if a, a pharmacist is listening and they're working in an independent pharmacy, what is the first step that they would have to do if they want to replicate what you're doing and bring PGX in their pharmacy, which I think you answered. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we have free resources you can read learn and then as you pick your interest and your niche you can just reach out to us and if we can help you we'll be happy to if we can't we know more resources and other people in the country that are doing amazing things and we can connect you to them too okay so now this is for independent pharmacy do you see that happening or working for uh, uh, chain pharmacies at all Oh, chain pharmacies can do whatever they want. It's just that they are too big and too massive to change quickly. So eventually it will get there, you know? Yeah. And I think I'm seeing the models happening. I see the chains collaborating with medical practices now. If you've seen online with the Walgreens and Village MD, yes. you know, mm-hmm. uh, CBS Minute Clinics are mm-hmm. getting more into primary care because I have a a friend that, you know, she, you know, he's a nurse practitioner and they're preparing to kind of be more of a medical hub primary. So it's happening. I just think independence can get there quicker. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can wake up in the morning and change your business. No one's going <laughs> to you know. <laughs> I would think like, I know with the chain pharmacies, maybe it'll happen slower, but intuitively, I feel like it should happen faster because they got more resources, more money, more um, yeah, heads, more, of- do you know what I mean? But you know what I learned? It's not, it's the number of people in your organization that makes everything complex, right? right. So that's what the problem with the chain, they have many, many people. 
that's why it makes it hard to implement sometimes. That's true. The complexity comes from the people. That, that is true. And you have a lot of levels to go up to get to the person to make those big changes versus if somebody, if somebody wants to make a change, I guess in your pharmacy, let's say you, you guys can just sit down and collaborate and make the change tomorrow. That That's true. Yes. And if independent pharmacies really uh, bring on board, like the newer grads, you know, the newer pharmacists, like I love being a preceptor because 80% of all pharmacists right now were once a student in our pharmacy. Oh. So that's the kind of the best way to bring them in, see their passion, mm-hmm. teach them while they bring value to your organization. And then one day they graduate, they know where to work and you know who, to, who you want on board. That's true. So I feel like if you want to go that route, just try to be a great preceptor, bring these folks in, teach them open their eyes and they're hungry. They have more excitement about these kind of services than any group we've ever had. That's true. And I wish I knew of you and the whole model and actually PGX by itself when I was a student. So maybe I would have done a rotation over there. That would have been really awesome. But, you know, we, we don't get a lot of those exposures. Actually, I didn't. I can't speak for every school and every student, but I don't even remember PGX um, learning it in school. So I wish I had that opportunity, but uh, I'm glad you're, you're actually precepting. That was my next question. So with students coming in, can't, you know, are you able to teach them about PGX and the model? And so kind of open their mind about different things they can do, which you're already doing, which is awesome. Um, I love it. So if, so how can, I know you said you're a Devon Institute and you're kind of uh, everywhere on social media like how, what's the best way people can reach you and kind of have those conversations or independent pharmacies want to reach you and, you know, ask for coaching and things like that. Where's the best place that they can reach you at? So info at avantinstitute.com. So we have a team that fields those uh, inquiries to the right team members that can uh, get on the phones or zoom and work with you. So it's good to have duplicated myself 18 times in our team. So I'm very helpful, <laughs> very confident that somebody in our, in our team can be assigned uh, to answer those questions. Because we have our pharmacists who are doing chronic care management, for example, in long-term care. So they can share with you how they uh, recommend PGX in long-term care and then how they use that during chronic care management, you know, yeah. in uh, just the different ways. Uh, that we have used it. So yes, PGX can have a business, um, what I call a a good profit design, if you can leverage all your relationships with the providers, but also do markets to the self-pay individuals, especially patients who have the health savings accounts, because they're the ones who really, it matters how they spend their money. So PGX is a good investment for those folks and also providers who are uh, doing the concierge medicine or patients that subscribe to concierge medicine. It's because they really are good stewards of their money. So if you show them uh, something that can give them a return on investment long term, they're likely to to jump on board. And it's true. It is a great uh, investment because you only have to do this once. Your genes don't really change. So you're right. It is a good investment. And I'll ask you one more question um, that just came while you were talking. So do you have 
when you're looking at the patient's um, medications on your, I guess, software that you use as you get prescriptions in, how do you determine which patient that you're going to talk to that comes in would be a candidate for PGX? Do you have a tool you've set up? Do you kind of look at medications and kind of go from there? How, how do you, um, if, if that's something you can share with us? Sure. How do you sure. Think? So back in the days, it was just like we had to know it. <laughs> and I remember it was just me and Olivia, the only pharmacist that kind of knew. And we stressed everyone else out in the pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> and then fast forward, the technology, I mean, has really, really advanced where there are tools that you can put in the medication list of the patients and they will spit out which medications have the guidance, you know, mm-hmm. they are PGX required versus PGX recommended versus, ah, maybe the patient would just benefit from it anyway. So we can use that to stratify a patient's profile. That's awesome. Okay. That's awesome. Make it easy for everyone else. Okay. Well, yes. There are so many different tools out there now. And a lot of the labs have, you know, some backend tools like that available. So yes, definitely shop around for the advance in technology for PGX stratification, it's very, very helpful because it's not every patient that would benefit on those on it. But we can always say everyone can benefit because you don't know the next prescription that would come your way. Exactly. That that's very true. And not everybody, hopefully they do, but not everybody probably picks up their medication from the same spot, unfortunately. Same pharmacy. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Amina, for coming on the show and taking the time. I appreciate it. you've been very inspiring to us all. And, you know, I appreciate you starting this also. Then all the other community pharmacists can actually get to know you and see all the possibilities out there for their patients and, you know, keep going. I, we appreciate you a lot. Um, I'm grateful for you being here. Thank you. I'm really grateful for the opportunity uh, to have this dialogue. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to share this link to everyone so they can tune in and listen to PGX for Pharmacists podcast on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. There's no other place for you to go to get all your PGX needs. We do a lot of PGXing on here. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and visit us on PGX for rx.com to listen to all our episodes thanks for your interest in pgx and for spending some time with us please share this podcast and leave us a review on apple podcasts or spotify for all of our episodes please visit pgx4rx.com that's pgx4rx.com